0: Hey friends, welcome to the Redeemer Queen's Park podcast. Redeemer exists to help connect Jesus to people, people to community and community to mission. We're gathering on Saturdays at 3pm to worship God and fellowship. If you ever have any questions or if we could be of help in any way at all, then please give us a shout at hello at RedeemerQP.com. We hope you'll be encouraged as you hear another one of our Bible talks. Let's listen to the next episode. Waiting on something to cook, waiting on somebody to show up. I don't, don't really think so. I don't like to wait. Don't like to wait on the tube. Don't like to wait on delayed buses. Um, don't mind as much. I'm only really lightly frustrated by friends taking a little longer than they said they would to be somewhere. And I know I equally frustrate those people around me as I'm, I'm commonly late to different meetings myself and make people wait on me. Waiting on family members to get ready so we can go leave and do a thing. Waiting, yeah? Realize I'm not alone. Something about the, the hearts of fallen humanity where we categorically, we don't like to wait. We don't like to sit around. We don't like to allow stuff to happen before we can do the next thing. It's because at heart, we want instant gratification, want a quick fix, want a quick solve. I mean, seriously, like who has ever been downloading something on your home Wi-Fi and it took longer than you thought, so you switch that thing off Wi-Fi to hop back on the G for a minute just to move it through? We, we, We know how we are with this. We want instant gratification. We want to know when we want to know why is it so hard for us to wait? So I want to start chat with you on this afternoon. And, and guys, it's Advent season. Advent taken from the Latin word, which means arrival or appearing. Uh, we're entering into that even this afternoon as we gather around with one another. We celebrate the arrival, the end of waiting of Jesus finally turning up in this world. It's because Christmas is part of a story of waiting. Christmas is part of a story of, lo- of a longing being fulfilled. It's a story of celebrating at the end of lots and lots of waiting, something wonderful happened. And Christians commonly enter into a mood of waiting. At the start of every December, we cultivate longing. We cultivate waiting in our hearts. We do this by entering into the story, entering into the kind of the mindset and the frame of the people of Israel, God's people all throughout the Old Testament and the Bible. Because the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son forth to be born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So at just the right time, after lots and lots of waiting, God sent Jesus. Jesus. I want to try to draw you off into their story this afternoon, because in going to their story, we might find a waypoint to help make sense of some of the waiting and the longing that we feel in our own very lives as we sit here in this room this afternoon. Well, God rarely comes at our appointed time. He always comes at just the right time. I think the story of the Bible proves this up to us. So I'm just going to give four big truths. Remembering, trying to preach fast and don't want you to have to wait on the next thing. So I'm going to give you four truths about waiting, Hopefully, feed your mind, but more importantly, stir your soul this afternoon so you can be able to wait on God as well. First thing I want you to know is that God sees you in your waiting. God sees you. Gospel writer Matthew, uh, we're going to take a look at some of what he wrote next week at our carol service and really hope you'll all be around for it. Matthew, Matthew had a fascinating way of introducing the arrival of Jesus into the world. He talked about how at the end of 14 generations, then Jesus showed up, showing us in a Jewish artistic way that God is always faithful. He's always in control and he's always faithful to fulfill the promises that he's given to us. But I want you to, I want you to see two numbers this afternoon. It had been 550 years of God's people living in exile where they waited It had been 400 years since the last prophetic word had been spoken. And God's people waited. Think about it. 550 years. Think about how your skin crawls when a bus is five minutes late. The last word God's chosen people received was 400 years ago. And then Jesus showed up. You imagine what it would have been like to wait on that. Wondering, has God forsaken us? Wondering, generation comes, generation goes. Promise unfulfilled, as far as we can tell. Has God forgotten about me? Has God forgotten about us? Like, he promised to do a lot. Has has he given up? Does he remember me? Does, does he know we're still here? Does he know we're still in exile? Does he know we're supposed to be his like special people where the world gets a glimpse of who he is through us? And here we are living as a political minority over here, spiritually enslaved to this other stuff. Where is he? I probably would have been quite... The season of waiting. Maybe you find yourself in a posture of waiting this afternoon. I know it's all going to pale in comparison to 550 years of exile and 400 years of revelation. But let's be honest. What are you waiting on God for? Maybe you can resonate with this this afternoon. Maybe you have a longing in your heart this Christmas season for God to put some relationships back together. Maybe you don't have a family and there's a friend that you really want to be reconciled to. Maybe there's some other people outside of you who just really want to see some people come back together this Christmas season. You're waiting on that. You're hoping in that. Maybe you're a single person and you've been hoping to be married by this Christmas or by the few Christmases ago, but those Christmases come and go and your situation seems to go unchanged. Maybe you're here this afternoon and you really want... To be pregnant, and you just can't get pregnant. You're waiting. Maybe you're here this afternoon and you're grieving over the loss of a child, the loss of a parent, or the impairment of one over the last year. You're praying prayers. You're asking God to come through. Yet you're waiting. Maybe you're waiting with a heartache over a family that's fallen apart, a friendship that exploded. A wayward child that you just wish would come home. A spouse that you just wish would repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. And you wait. My encouragement for you this afternoon is that God sees you in the midst of your waiting. And I want to prove that to you. I intend to improve that to you in just a few minutes' time. He sees you. And all these things we try to do in the midst of our waiting... Some of it's good, some of it's bad. We get advice, we pray, we wait on God. Things go by, they seem like they haven't happened. So we wait and we keep waiting. If we're honest, we probably wonder just something of what the nation of Israel had to feel. God, do you hear me? Because it has been months and it doesn't seem like anything's changing in my situation. Maybe you can connect with the, the story of the nation of Israel. God, are you listening? Because we have asked you for this for years, and you've left us in the middle of it. God, where are you? My friend, I do want to encourage you, not with some sense of happy-clappy, just believe it and you'll see it kind of of thinking, but I want to encourage you with some rock-solid truth this afternoon that God sees you in the midst of your waiting. God saw his servant Jeremiah while he was in a pit of mud up to his armpits. God saw his servant there, and God knew him there. Names recorded all throughout the start of the Gospel of Matthew, name after name after name of person after person after person that God saw. God knew their family, God knew their situation. And while from their situation, maybe some of us can remember back to Ecclesiastes chapter three, we live life under the loom. God's doing things in the world, and we're looking up and we're like, this is it. This is it under the sun. No, he's working out his purposes. If we could just trust him for that perspective that he actually knows what this picture is being spun into from above the loom, and he actually sees us through the perspective of our situation and through the perspective of the redemption that he's bringing, we'll be able to hang on and wait. So here's the second truth. While we're hanging on, while it feels like we're going to just fall apart while we're waiting, here's what God is doing God builds your spiritual muscles in your waiting. Might I add to you, he does not build them as well as he can outside of our waiting. There's a gang of mates called the Puritans. They had a phrase for this. They called it God's school of waiting. And whenever somebody was waiting on something, which was like all the time, they had a way of like looking at each other and encouraging each other. Okay, we've all been enrolled in God's school of waiting, and he has lessons that he wants to teach the people he loves while we're enrolled in his school. You could even read the pages of history right here, though, and you could see God, God, God has His purposes for allowing His people to wait. The William Carey, he understood this well. He spent many years on mission, on the mission field, before seeing a single convert. Many years waiting, waiting, waiting. Here, here's what God is doing. God is building spiritual muscle in your soul as you wait. Similar to a muscle that gets broken down before it can be repaired and come back stronger, God does this in our souls when it comes to strengthening us and thickening us up a little bit. Waiting builds spiritual muscles. So consider just a few things that happen when you go to God's school of waiting or when He leaves you in the gym a little longer than you feel like you want to be. Waiting causes us to pray without ceasing. We are needy, and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And waiting causes us to realize that. Waiting places us as dependent creatures next to the independent God. He doesn't need us, but he has chosen to relate to us. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has no needs. If he was hungry, he wouldn't even let us know. He's not served by human hands. And waiting causes us to pray without ceasing. He is always faithful. The outcome of His waiting always proves to be wholly true. But He does bring the people that He loves into times of waiting to lead us into a life where we learn to pray without giving up. As we learn to pray without giving up, we find our souls are actually strengthened. We're actually able to pray for more than we could at the beginning. Next, notice this, waiting instills in us a clearer understanding that we are creatures absolutely dependent upon our Creator. That's a bit of a mouthful. I just want you to have some big sentences this afternoon so it feels legit. Though our sinful hearts crave omniscience and omnipotence, we possess neither. And waiting on God helps thicken up that reality for us. So it instills in us a clearer sense. I, I don't have it all figured out. And as high and mighty as some of us when to walk around life, those seasons of waiting really do find us out, don't they? Yeah, I can't control everything. Kind of remember back to Ecclesiastes, we're like, goodness me, I, I can actually barely only kind of deal with a few things, but I'm, I'm not running this. Waiting also increases our faith. After all, not only does the writer of Hebrews define faith as the conviction of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In chapter 11, verse 1, we wait, God works. That's that's the equation. We wait on God and He works. We wait on God. It's like being under a weight that feels too difficult to be able to move. But as He leaves us there, and He's already promised He's not going to let us be crushed by anything. He's making us stronger. He's preparing us for what He has next for us. Here's another big sentence. Waiting in God's school, it also transfers the doctrine of God's absolute sovereignty from the speculative realm to the practical realm. It's a long way of saying it helps, it helps God make sense to us. We can believe afresh, yeah, He is in control. Because in waiting, we actually experience God's lordship in an intimate way. We realize our finiteness. We realize that He is infinite Waiting grounds our future certain hope and waiting stamps eternity on our eyeballs. Let me explain. When we bring these urgent positions before the Lord, we wait with expectation and the city of this world begins to fade and the eternal city starts to come into focus. And we're able to have what one man named Jonathan Edwards would pray, oh Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. We're able to see the things that really matter when we wait. We're able to get a sense of the eternal in a temporal world. Waiting helps us to do this. Waiting helps prioritize the eternal over the temporal in accordance with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, as we look to the things that are seen, but we look to the things that are unseen. For the th- things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And waiting helps focus the eyes of our hearts on the eternal that's all around us, and helps us live for that reality instead of the temporal reality. Um, this is I don't I don't I don't say this next bit all the time. Um, I try not to say most of the sermon all the time, so you'll come back every once in a while. But um, th- this is something specific. Um, as I was uh, as I was writing. Um, Specifically earlier this morning, as some of this was coming together, uh, the Lord stopped me and had some time to pray. And I'm just going to try to say something that the Lord put on my heart that could be for somebody specifically in this room right now. So a word for somebody specifically in in this room. Um, It could be that somebody is here today and they're a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus. But like the nation of Israel, you have grown tired in your waiting and you're at a point in your life where you're considering cutting some corners. You're considering embracing some unrighteousness because you are tired and because you have served the Lord faithfully and thinking you've waited long enough. I'm not here to name names. I'm not here to point. I'm scared to look at all of you at the same time. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to be faithful to this. Okay? If that's you or maybe there's like a way this kind of washes over all of us equally, but it really registers for somebody. I think this is the word the Lord has for you this afternoon, and I just want to be faithful to share it with you. Psalm 27, verse 1. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. If I could even just plead with you or all of you, I don't, I don't know where this is, but don't cut corners. Don't embrace unrighteousness. Because you've been faithful, don't think you're special. Nation of Israel went without prophetic revelation for 400 years. It's been a little season for us. We're not special. We're not unique. We're another link in the long chain of his faithfulness towards the world, and he will be true. Do not embrace unrighteousness. Do not cut corners. I'm pleading with you. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Third thing, God will deliver those who wait on Him. You read the prophets and you read the Psalms, these these guys, and don't worry, I'm about to explain those, those guys that David just read to us about. It's amazing how much of their lives are actually spent in a posture of waiting because God makes promises to those people who wait on Him. There are promises and God's going to come through. Let me show you just a few. In Lamentations, Prophet Jeremiah, um, he went to God's people living in exile. They rejected him. They, called, they, they essentially called bull on what he had to say. He goes to the people, and the people, that times are getting so bad. They were trying to trump themselves up. Look, this is the worst of it, okay? The best is right ahead. This is the worst it's going to be. And Jeremiah got downloaded with a message from God. God said, you go tell those people, the worst is ahead. This isn't as bad as it's going to get. So Jeremiah goes in there, and he delivers this message. And his own people, right? So I'm a white American, Like, you take what you got, where you're from, and your people, okay? Your people, they say you're a fool and a fraud, and they basically chunk you down into a dungeon pit where the Bible tells us he's up to his armpits in mud. And he writes this poem. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. He goes on to talk about how it's good for a young man. It's good for a young person is the connotation here to have to go through a thing while they're young. And uh, it was actually said in our community group this last week, um, insights being shared with you from our Bible study, that um, you think like this city's full of people trying to optimize life so we don't have to be put under anything. Here's the Bible. No, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to have to go through a thing to learn God. How about Isaiah. Isaiah gets commissioned by God. He's going he's gonna to go to a group of people that will not listen to him. And they don't. He goes and he's going he's gonna to preach and he's going to share and he's going to pour his heart out and he's going to plead with people and they're just not going to hear him. And, he, and here's one of the truths, like from God to this people that just refuse him. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Chapter 30, verse 18. And he says to those who wait for me, I will not put you to shame. Think about this. A lot of people have spent their time waiting on God. According to this, not one of them got disappointed. And I think the enemy, if running a game against all of us, how the enemy runs the game is to come to us and say, listen, he's not good. He's withholding, okay? He's withholding something from you. There's something better that you could have. He's not a good God. He just wants to keep it from you. It's it's the oldest trick, it's, 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 what got, it's what got Eve in the garden. He's not good. He's withholding. And the same thing comes along. But, but hear this afresh this Christmas season. Not one person who's ever waited on God has been disappointed by God. And if you wait on God, you won't be the first. You're not going to be that one person that just chose to be faithful and do things God's way in God's world. No, you won't, you won't be that first person. No one who has ever waited on God has been let down by God because God always comes through for His people. Well, you say, why does He make us wait? I just wish He'd take the whole thing away. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about this afternoon. There are things that we learn in times of waiting that we actually can't learn any other way. Otherwise, a loving Father would certainly instruct us in in those very things. We can hear with Jeremiah once again in chapter 3, verse 26, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for me to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Like, hear me, it's it's good for Thomas not to get everything he wants all the time and learn to wait on God. It's good for you to learn by not getting everything you want whenever you want it to wait on God. Unfulfilled longings, they teach us to press into the goodness of God Unfulfilled longings, they actually draw us deeper into God's character where we poke around and we probe His character. We read His Word and we reconsider His promises. We wrestle with whether we believe His promises or whether we believe in some false distorted picture of Him. It's in the waiting that the wrestling takes on. And the wrestling actually reveals a deep trust in God. And through the wrestling, like the the waiting, like the working out, comes joy and strength of faith that we wouldn't have had any other way. So you feel like you're waiting. You feel like you're waiting in a deep darkness. Might I just offer the number 400 years? He will come through in His timing in just the right way. Pastorally, He will not disappoint you. He will not let anyone down who trusts in him. You won't be the first. He will be true. So keep waiting. And here comes the conclusion. Um, A few of us are going to hand out the Lord's Supper. If you guys want to head to the back, um, I'll holler for you in just a minute. God allows us to wait so that he can deliver Jesus for our salvation. It's the deepest reason in all the waiting. And some of us hear this and we're like, man, that's that's great. So I already got Jesus for salvation. So why the continued waiting? Follow me here. What Israel most needed is not what they thought they most needed. What they thought they needed was a political deliverance. Exile. What they thought they needed was a conquering king with a sword to come through and to slay the enemy and to overthrow the oppressor. That's what they thought they needed. That's what it looked like in the midst of their situations. But What they really needed was restoration with God. Now, some of us might be sitting here this afternoon, we might be restored to God. and You hear that and you think, well, I don't, I don't know how more waiting is going to be good for me. The fact of the matter is we're aiming our lives at joy and we want to be shaped into the person and image of Jesus Christ over time. And there are things that we think we need. We may think what we most need is physical health. We may think what we most need is financial assistance. We may think what we most need is family reunion. But what we need most is a restoration with God. Yeah? So, look, Gil, come on up. And uh, these guys are about to come through with with the Lord's Supper, and when they do, this is this is for this is for Christians. So if you're trusting in Jesus right now this afternoon, then as the guys come through with the baskets, handing these things out, uh, you take one. But if you're here this afternoon and you're not trusting in Jesus for salvation, let the basket pass you by, but don't let this invitation pass you by. Receive Jesus receive the bread of life as this basket's passed right in front of you. Trust in Him. And if you're already trusting in Him, then take one of these because you'll need this as well. And don't worry, no one's one's judging, no one's looking around. This is between you and the Lord. If you're trusting in Him this afternoon, you just grab one of these, pass it on. If you're not, receive what I, I say next. What you and I most need is something that is missing deep in our souls. What we most need and what the nation of Israel most needed was restoration with God, whether we know it or not. Ecclesiastes says we all have this groove this cut in our souls that's so huge only God can fill it. Um, Blaise Pascal talked about how the human heart has a gigantic hole inside of it. The North African Bishop Augustine, he said, Our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Fact of the matter is, we were created for God. And what we really need is to be restored with God. And only a Messiah can do that. The heart of Christmas can deliver that for you. The unconditional love, we sit around here as Christians this afternoon and we just wait on and we long for and we yearn for meaning and security that can only be found in the embrace of a heavenly Father, I'm not declaring it will meet all of your needs. I am saying it will meet your deepest need and it will make waiting on God easier to do in the rest of life. Those arms that you search for, those, that embrace of romance, that place of security, that place to settle down and know that you're settled in home, your soul can have all of that and so much more. And that'll make the outward waiting and the outward conditioning of this thing easier to come by. God is good. And we wait on Him because He is good. We don't wait on Him seeing if He's going to prove His goodness up to us. Because all of God's promises to us are yes and amen in Jesus. And when we're looking ahead at the path called waiting and we're trying to weigh up, should should I hold here or should I fold? All we do, Christian, is we look back and we consider, has, has, has God said something and has God done it? Did God promise to do something and was he true to it? Because our best indication of God's future faithfulness towards us is his past faithfulness towards us. So for you and whatever you're waiting on, I invite you to look through the past of your life. I invite you to look through the past of the lives of other people in this church and then if you have it, just expand your scope a little wider, past into the pages of history, and then be sure you center it all right in the pages of biblical revelation. Has God not said? And if He has been faithful and true through everything He said in the past, you have no good reason to trust that somehow He's going to glitch now and He won't come through for you next in the future. It's the news of Christmas. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Hail, the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail, the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lays His glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth and born to give them a second birth. It's what we're going to sing about next week in carols. It's what we celebrate right here and now tonight as we prepare our very hearts for Christmas. So I cannot offer you physical healing this afternoon, but I can tell you that Jesus' body was broken on a cross for the forgiveness of your soul and your sins. I cannot promise you or I cannot guarantee for you some way to make it through the unexpected financial windfalls that will inevitably come, but I can connect you to the promise of God that He says He will cover you with His wings and He will provide for your every need. He says, He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And the one who promised that promises to walk through your side in every step of your pain. And that's better. And we can trust Him for it. So, do you feel like you're sitting in darkness this afternoon? I cannot bring light to every dynamic of your life and situations, but I can connect you with this One who is Himself the very light of the world. And if you trust in Him, well, His Word says, that you will renew your strength. You will mount up like eagles, and he will lead you through it. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his followers. It's just another way of showing that he was faithful. They gathered around the table, and he took the bread, and he looked at men, followers that he loved, and he says, this is my body, and it's going to be broken for you. So take And be nourished in your waiting and eat today. After they ate, some of y'all still trying to get that piece of bread out. (laughs) Um, After they ate, they drank. And Jesus took wine, and Jesus says this wine represents a new covenant that I will go and make in my blood. The Bible interprets that and says the blood of Jesus that was spilled on the cross is the new covenant, that whoever believes in him, we will not be put to shame. So as we wait, and we all wait together, let's take and drink and remember him. the rest of the band comes up to lead us this is the conclusion for us today wait for the lord be strong and let your heart take courage wait for the lord can we stand and if you'd be willing i know this might be a little weird for somebody in this room don't worry i'm not going to get too weird maybe we could just stand there with our hands opened right before us just quietly still right before us the posture of need the posture of dependence Maybe you could take a moment just right here and right now to quietly pray to God and ask Him for provision. Ask Him to fill whatever you're waiting on Him on. Just ask Him. Mild He lays His glory by, born that man no more may die. God, we say thank you. Thank you for meeting our deepest and most ultimate need first and delivering Jesus for the salvation of our sins. We pray for faith that you would help us to all believe in him. And Father, we pray that Jesus would be the biggest evidence and the biggest testimony to us that if you did not withhold your very own son from us, how then? will you not also with the Son graciously give us all things? So Father, strengthen your saints this afternoon. Strengthen your sons and daughters. Strengthen your people. Help us to wait on you. We pray and we sing in Jesus' name, amen.